0: You're listening to The Real Vantage Podcast, the show that provides investors a better viewpoint into the real estate market with your host, Victoria Ao. Hi everyone, I'm Victoria Ao. I am the Director of Business Development here at Real Vantage. So welcome to The Real Vantage Podcast show. Today, I'm joined by Pali Yap, who is an experienced personal investor And an ex-professional fund manager who specializes in Asia-Pacific equities and the property sector. So thank you for being on this show with us today, Pali. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) Yeah, um, so glad to have her join and to shed more light on this particular asset class. So why do you particularly invest in physical
1: direct property? Um, It allows me to have greater diversification and selection beyond Singapore shores, I think in the past, I should mention that in the past, you know, if you want to invest beyond Singapore, um, the investments tend to be quite lumpy. Uh, You need to buy an entire asset, like an entire physical residential property. And so it tends to be quite lumpy. I think the advantage that uh, RealVantage as a platform and many of these property platforms have is that you have the ability to invest in smaller ticket sizes and with smaller ticket sizes it will allow you definitely more diversification in terms of the countries that you want exposure to, the asset classes that you want exposure to, as well as the different stages of property invest- investing uh, that you may want exposure to. Maybe perhaps I should expound on the different stages of property investing. I think uh, one should look at uh, property investing, not only in terms of you know the buy and hold strategy, which is quite familiar to many investors, especially investors that own residential property or who invest in the REIT market. Uh, <clears throat> I think um, you know uh, private investments will allow you to access um, the earlier stages of property investing, meaning the development stage and perhaps even the middle stage which is like the asset enhancement stage Uh, why does one uh, prefer some of these stages i suppose these earlier stages um, will give the investor a higher return um, for their investments um, as you can observe with uh, real vantage as well in some of their projects you know um, some of the irrs that are uh, projected for these uh, investments in developments can run in the double-digit returns. So you get access to the double-digit returns for these earlier stages. Of course, you should be aware that, you know, there's no higher reward without higher risk. Earlier stages do have higher risk and you would have to put your capital in for a longer period of time, be committed for a longer period of time, and, um, you know, uh, there will be also, you know, to some extent, um, the risk that some of these returns uh, may not be achieved. But as I said, because it allows diversification with smaller ticket sizes, uh, you know, that diversification should help you overall to achieve that higher returns without much higher risk. Yeah.
0: Right. Right. And I think the next natural question that I generally get asked, I think, uh, would be. How is this different from a public listed REITs? Okay.
1: Uh, public listed REITs, as the name implies, is that they are listed in the stock market. So I would say the advantage of that would be that you know you can go in and out, buy and sell REITs, um, you know according to what you think the fair value of the company is, right? So you have access to access to the markets and liquidity, so you can get in and get out anytime. Very easily, and it's also very small ticket sizes as well. And in a way, public reits um, does allow you to own, you know, a small segment, a fraction of uh, a class of assets. But often, like in Singapore, public reits um, give you access to Singapore properties in the various asset classes. And um, there are many professional fund managers that are running these reits as well that uh, you know you you can benefit from. But with uh, private investing, um, as I said, you know you do get much bigger diversification across the uh, property investing cycle, which you don't get in REITs. REITs uh, tends to be in the buy and hold space, or in and in a very very small portion in the development space because there are limitations reg- in the regulation on um, having a big portion in developments. So at least in the private space, you do get the different stages and also you do get you know, a selection of different asset classes as well. A much broader selection of different locales and asset classes um, in the private space.
0: Right. So what do you look at when you're selecting you know, a new investment uh, with regards to direct property investment?
1: I think understanding that the manager has skin in the game is also quite important. I think what I like about Real Vantage is that um, they do have skin in the game by committing capital to their various uh, projects and also uh, fee structures that align to you know the profits of the project. So there is skin in the game and an and aligned interest. I think that's very important. Uh, the other thing that investors should be also aware of is that you don't want to go into you know some of these public platforms that you go into some of them may promise you very high returns but not completely explain to you the risk that's involved i think you need to understand that higher returns come with higher risk and having access to the manager you know real vantage does have webinars which i think uh, does draw a lot of uh, you know increase the trust of the investor you have access to these managers and you can ask questions so do uh, you know attend before you invest do attend these webinars and ask the questions and the questions as i said that you particularly want to ask is about the credibility of the manager the fee structure uh, of the projects in particular yeah mm.
0: So for yourself, would you have any advice on where to invest, you know, in regards to
1: segment or geographical locale? Hmm. Um, I tend to prefer the developed markets to the developing markets. I think with developed markets, at least uh, you do have, um, you know, proper laws, uh, respect of, you know, uh, ownership laws, there's better legality and better due process. Um, I think with developing markets as well, um, you might be, you know, you might earn a lot of money from the project, but that might be washed away with currency uh, depreciation as well. So I think it's a lot easier to look at developed markets. Also in developed markets, um, you do have a bigger, pool of assets that are traded in the private markets so anytime when a project is developed you know there are there is a pool of investors that you can sell to so there is what you would call you know liquidity in the market as well um, I suppose at the end of the day you want to look at general economic conditions of the country of um, you know the particular locale uh, simplistically uh, you know urban settings where population is growing, there is you know, good job growth, good income level, rising income levels, a young population. I mean, all these help um, in, you know, in, in, in the economics of the particular asset class.
0: Okay, and so at this juncture, is there anything that concerns you, you know, perhaps the macroeconomic conditions?
1: I think you know it's all over in the press, right? On in mm-hmm. terms of you know the high inflationary environment that we are living in, and rising interest rates. And, so I guess um, in any project that you look at, um, you should be very well aware of the funding structure of the projects. Ensure that you know these. Uh, Managers uh, do not project very very low interest rates for a very very long period of time because that's unrealistic. Um, you want to be aware that you know if interest rates are rising, it means their funding cost is also rising, and do um, interview them about how they are going to structure that and project that, um, and that should be also in their you know IRR projections. Um, the other thing is that with with uh, property investments, they are long duration assets. Mm-hmm they, you know, you're holding these assets for a longer period of time. Um, so you want to have confidence, uh, you know, that these assets are durable, right? And so meaning that, you know, you don't want to have very, uh, you, you know, perhaps you you want to look at assets where, you know, the rental leases, uh, there, there, is a, there, there is a big group of people who will, you know, companies or individuals who are keen to, to rent, there is a good demand for that particular asset class um, and that these leases can be tied up for longer periods of time so you have some security. I think in every business cycle, uh, you know, that certain asset classes are suitable um, and in every locale as well, understand the demand and supply dynamics. Um, You know, if there is good uh, demand, the, the assets tend to have to hold value much better.
0: Mm. Right. Yeah, thank you so much for you know sharing more and I think it was a really informative discussion, you know, specifically focused on direct property. So thanks for coming on this show. You know, I look forward to having further conversations with you, Perli.
1: Thank you, Victoria.
0: <laughs> Alright. So um, thank you all for listening in and I'll catch you on the next one. Alright, bye. Thanks for joining us this month on the Real Vantage podcast. Make sure to visit our website, realvantage.co, where you can sign up to join our investment community and start building your global real estate portfolio today. If you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes and do share this with your friends and fellow investors. Be sure to tune in next month for our next episode.